podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Zero Pucks Given, the UK ice hockey podcast. I'm Ben, and we are in partnership with Blades Belong on Your Feet, the charity fighting knife crime with ice skating all over the UK. We are in partnership with the Hockey Art Co., the hockey clothing for hockey people, worn by the best, hated by the rest. Listeners to Zero Pucks Given get a 10% discount on everything site-wide at hockeyartco.co.uk. Just use the code ZP10 on checkout to get your discount. This is episode 53 from Remembrance Weekend. Tributes were paid to the fallen of the world wars at every hockey game up and down the country and beautifully observed they were as well. We've got the reports from the five games this weekend with exclusive coaches thoughts, Britain Division Player of the Week and we have a guest. This episode we are going to catch up with Oxford D-man Darcy Flanagan. We'll be discussing his career, hockey in Australia, the move here and his budding bromance with his roommate. This is also the first of three episodes coming out this week, as I also catch up with Streatham Storm forward Chantel Eyre from the WNIHL Elite League. And then we have our Men's Mental Health Special. November is Men's Mental Health Month, so later this week I'll be joined by Scott Finley from the brilliant 3 on 3 podcast and Ed Archer from the Men Talk Health podcast. That's a definite unmissable episode. Also confirmed for the next few weeks is former Chieftain, now business and performance coach Will Polston, Romford Buccaneers forward Courtney Grant, Concussion and respiratory expert David Jacko Jackson, also joined by Danny Wright on that app. Former top league player, podcaster, and now commentator Jamie McElroy, and just confirmed for early December, Chelmsford Chieftains captain Alan Lack. Now we have some DOPS news in the Britain division. Following the Chelmsford versus Streatham game on November the 5th, Cameron Bartlett receives a four game suspension for fighting an unwilling opponent. If you're with us on YouTube, you can see the incident here from a fan video. I'm actually really surprised that the ban was only four games for what appears to be a sucker punch. Obviously, we all know there's probably provocation, a bit of chirping as well. But as Lewis Clifford stated in his coach's thoughts of that game, that's where you have to keep your discipline if you want to win things. Obviously, in this episode, I'll be talking to Darcy Flanagan. He was the recipient of a 10-game ban for a cross-check to the head, which upon successful appeal from Oxford City Stars was reduced to six games. Even as a Chelmsford fan, I was expecting an absolute minimum of six. So obviously as a fan, I'll take four. But there seems to be a disparity in the consistency of the decisions coming out of the Department of Player Safety, who will themselves be seeking a new general manager after Mike Maiden stepped down. One would assume following the very public outcry over the Darcy Flanagan decision. 
It is a thankless job, and as much as fans, we will want to call out the decisions made by the governing bodies and by the officials in the game. Without them, we do not have a game. So respect where respect is due. Thank you to Mike for his service, and we wish him well for the future. Now let's get cracking with the match reports from the weekend, starting on Saturday night at the Riverside as the Dynamos face the Chieftains. A rammed crowd at the Riverside as these old foes go head-to-head and toe-to-toe. An even starts of the game with both sides having chances, but it was the home side that broke the deadlock when Jay King's shot rattled off the iron and TJ Fillery swept up to make it 1-0 on 12:37. Additional assist to Sasha Maltsev for incredible work in Gretzky's office. A couple of minutes later, the visitors got themselves level when Matty Bell scored, assisted by Gregor McCallan on 14:04. Into the second and the home side flew out of the traps and retook the lead when Lee Jameson and Grant Bartlett assisted Adam Lack for 2-1 on 20:31. A few minutes later, Ben Russell got his first goal, unassisted, sweeping home from a poor defensive clearance from the blue line 25-13 for 3-1. On 30-31, two-minute penalties for Lack and Lillis after a non-event of a fight and Dynamos pulled a goal back on 34-07 when Springer Hughes and Lashchek assisted Thune for 3-2. The Chieftains then extended their lead further when Lee Jameson and Damon Porter assisted Ollie Baldock for a fantastic finish for 4-2 on 36-45. From the restart, Stevenson took two for elbows on 37-30, giving the Chiefs a power play chance, but the Dynamos killed it off. Into the third, and it was the Moes that flew out of the traps and made it a one-goal game again when Dan Scott and Stan Olaszczyk assisted Thune for his second of the game, making it 4-3. On 44-17, Laming took two for holding, and in the resulting power play, Jake Higgin and Alan Lack provided the assist for Lee Jameson to make it 5-3, 44-25, power play goal. Straight from the restart, the Chiefs struck again when James Pentecost supplied Alan Lack, who swept across the goal and tucked home for 6-3. The home side weren't finished there, as Dan Hitchens got himself on the score sheet on 46-16 to make it 7-3, assisted by Moltsev. The Moes then fought back to reduce the deficit and made it 7-4 on 47-37, when Dell scored assisted by Laschek. On 57-45, Maltsev took two for hooking, and in the power play, Halden Barnes Garner forced a turnover in the most offensive zone and fired past Tyler de la Bellatouche for a shorthanded goal, 8-4. There was a late penalty for the Moes after Lillis took two for interference on 58-47, making it 4-4, four and, four, and then Grant Bartlett settled the game with a great close-range finish, assisted by James Pentecost at 58-52. A stunning home victory for the Chieftains against the side that fully had their number last season. The Buccaneers versus the MK Thunder then. Sorry for the lack of details on this one. I know that doing the socials for a game is almost like a full-time job. Uh, it seems the MK Thunder took the lead at the Sapphire, only to be pegged back by Luca Pascale, assisted by Joe Tamalin. MK then retook the lead before Pascale and Tamalin combined to assist Brindley Caps for 2-2. Caps then went unassisted for 3-2 and the Bucks finished the first 4-2 up with the goal from Ewan Hill. In the second, Ewan Hill went unassisted for 5-2 before Caps got his hat-trick, assisted by Migas Canis for 6-2. Ewan Hill then got in on the hatty fun, assisted by Luke Donald for 7-2. Into the third and Tamarlin and Luca Pascali providing again as Caps got his fourth for 8-2. It was then 9-2, still awaiting goal scorer. And then 10-2 when Ellie Wakeling assisted Ewan Hill for his fourth. Joe Tamarlin finished the Thunder off with two goals at the end of the third. A cracking 12-2 victory overturning the defeat the Bucks suffered at the Thunderdome back in September. After the game, Jason Buckman gave his thoughts to ZPG. 
good confidence boosting win at the weekend against a uh, hard working MK Thunder team. Um, these type of games are, can always be difficult um, that they don't stop skating um, so they can make it very very difficult to, to play against. Um, all three lines for the Buccaneers contributed throughout the game particularly the top two lines contributing to most of the goals. Um, so it's good to see Bryn, Joe and Ewan get on the score sheet and yeah um, hopefully uh, that puts us uh, in good stead moving forward into next weekend when we play MK Thunder again. Invicta Dynamos versus Solent Devils. The Dynamos looking to get back on the horse after defeat in Chelmsford last night, but found themselves under early pressure from the Solent Devils, Ryder being kept busy in the Moe's net. But despite the visitors' forward exploits, it was the home side that grabbed the lead after Regan O'Neill assisted Owen Dell on 15-14 to make it 1-0. Into the second, and the Moe's had to kill a two-minute penalty after Chard sits for tripping on 23-27, but Ryder stands on his head for the duration of the kill. At the halfway mark, O'Neill and Hutchinson head to centre ice for Attili, seeing both get 2 plus 5. On 32-47, Invicta had a power play opportunity after Wedge sat for holding, but the Devils held strong. As the period drew to a close, the away side did fire back as Coleman and Peacock assisted Osmond to make it 1-1 on 39-07. They would start the third on the kill, however, after Dan Lackey took two for hooking on 39-30. Into the third, and the Moes failed to capitalise on their power play opportunity. And when the Devils returned to full strength, it was the forgiven and free Dan Lackey who scored, assisted by Osmond, 42-38, to complete the comeback for the visitors. On 50-01, Osmond headed to the box for interference, but again the Moes were unable to make the most of their advantage. Solent then had a power play opportunity after Laming sat for high sticks, but the score remained 2-1. Invicta had another power play opportunity on 56-36 when Cole got two for hooking, but the Solent captain returned to the ice with no damage done to the score. And with three to, minute and three to go, Carl Lennon called a timeout to rally his boys. Ryder headed to the bench to get the extra man on the ice. With 10 seconds to go, Murray called a timeout to make sure his boys were ready for what was sure to be an onslaught. But 2-1 was how it finished. A great win on the road for the Devils and a very rare weekend without a result for the Dynamos. After the game, Solent player coach Alex Murray gave me his thoughts on a cracking road win for his boys. Yeah, obviously Sunday was a great result for our club. I think, you know, going to Invicta away where they've had a great um, start to the season at home, you know, winning lots of their games, it was always going to be a tough ask. And um, we were out without a few guys, Mason, who's expecting his first child, and, and Luke were unavailable. Oscar out injured and uh, Duffy not in the lineup either, which meant that, you know, we were a little bit short in terms of personnel experience-wise, but I was really impressed with our entire game from start to finish. I think um, we went with the game plan and we and we, you know, we we implicated it really well. We 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 set up so they you know they found it hard to break break us down. And I think even after the first being one 0 down, I didn't really think that was a fair reflection on where we were. I thought we had good chances ourselves, line you know good good possession of the puck, and we were breaking out pretty pretty successfully. We just. Uh, you know, had a little switch off in our end. We got caught deep in their end, and and they counted really well and, and got that go-ahead goal. I think we showed some experience and composure, which we haven't done in in games previous, where we managed to, you know, have a good second period and get that that goal back. And then into the third, we killed off a pretty important penalty, which hasn't been great for us recently. I think our PK, um, according to NHL stats, you know, dropped to in the 60s, and we we definitely talked about that and. We killed off three, four important penalties in this game, and the, th 
the third period started for us on the PK and that was a really important penalty to kill and we did. And I think we took the momentum from there and, and obviously got the lead 2-1 and you know, our D and Aaron in goal played, played wonderfully at the, at the end there. You know, they were going to come and they did. Um, you know, guys blocking shots, Aaron with some big saves and we were able to, to kill that game off and, and take a greasy sort of you know, 2-1 two, two road win which is almost a classic you know, sneak in, sneak out kind of job. So ultimately really impressed with the guys. It keeps us in the hunt of you know, those top, top four spots which is our which is our goal this year to start with, you know, just to get in that, in that, keeping that mix and see where we are after Christmas. And um, we've got Milton Keynes and Oxford this weekend, which is our first double header, which will be a real big test. And if we can come out with four points on this weekend, it will hopefully, you know, give us a, a nice true reflection of where we are in this standings to start with early doors and, and push on from there. And after two defeats this weekend, Invicta Dynamo's coach Cole Lennon gave his thoughts to ZPG. A short and not so sweet update from my side this week. I was uh, extremely disappointed with this weekend's games. I thought we were the masters of our own poor performances and we need to take collective responsibility for that. It was not good enough and speaking on behalf of the team, I can only apologise for the application and the intensity of our team this weekend. There's a lot of uh, reflection to be done and improvement and it's as simple as that we have to move forward from here and uh, take some lessons from the, the teachings that we were given this weekend so we move to next weekend with Slough and Streatham and focus completely on improvement Streatham Red Hawks versus Slough Jets the Britain Cup comes calling for these two then and Slough looked to get some points on the board after defeat at Invicta in the Cup last weekend Early chances for both sides, seeing Milton and Massey both busy, but Slough changed netminder in the fifth minute of the first. An earlier collision caused a swollen knee that forced Massey off, but McGibbon comes in. Slough had a power play chance straight after that as Ben Ely Newman got 2 plus 2 for slashing and roughing on 5-14, but the Redhawks killed the full penalty. Chances galore for both sides with Milton probably in demand, more in demand of the two goalies, but it was the home side that broke the deadlock when Warman flicked into the crease and McGibbon couldn't gather the puck before Inglesby deflected it to Benny Lee Newman, who slotted home for 1-0 on 1651. Into the second, and the Jets took a very early penalty when him and Ross sat for two for roughing on 2011, and as Streatham set up their power play, Jack Goodchild intercepted, and on the odd man rush made it 1-1, 21-59, shorthanded goal. On 27-15, Lewis English got two for roughing for the Jets, and issue with the clock saw the Red Hawks have slightly longer than the allotted two. As the period drew to, the close, drew to a close, the home side retook the lead as Beasley gets credited after Timo Lindgren hit the puck into his own net off McGibbon for 2-1 on 38-34. A delayed start to the third after a, a, we thought was a fan, I think we've since found out, was the Stretton Redhawks assistant coach was medically escorted from the rink, so sending our sincere best wishes there. At the start of the third, the Jets got themselves back on level terms again as Bradburn assisted Jack Goodchild for his second goal on 40-16. Both sides took penalties. Josh Ely Newman took 10 for misconduct. Clark 2 for high sticks on 42-15. Ben Ely Newman got his second of the night when Painter laid on the assist for 3-2 on 49 flat. The Red Hawks killed the game off on 53-55 when Luke Brittle scored, assisted by Inglesby for 4-2. And despite some empty net play for the Jets, they're without a win in the Britain Cup game. After the game, Red Hawks player coach Ben Painter gave me his thoughts. Yeah, the game against Slough last night was um, 
a bit of a strange one, really. Not really what we expected. Um, our games previously against Slav have always been hard, fast, end to end, real good, good games of hockey. But I think as a, a spectator yesterday, you would have been a bit, a bit confused by by how the game went. It was, it was a strange old game where I think both teams weren't at their best, um, and yeah, it was, it was scrappy. Um, wasn't very free flowing. Lots of stoppages, and yeah, I think, I think both teams probably. Would have would have hoped for a better performance. Um, that being said, we we managed to get it done and and get the points. Um, first set of points in the in the sort of the the Britain Cup, I think it's called. And uh, yeah, we're we're pleased to to get off the mark with with two points in that cup and and get the result. Um, like I say, we we weren't at our best, but good teams find a way. Um, and teams that are going to be successful find a way to get it done in in difficult times. And I'm, I'm pleased that the boys sort of managed to battle through and 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 get the result in the end even when we're we're not sort of firing all cylinders so yeah we it was a strange result but we we look forward to uh another another tough weekend against Invicta and, and Chelmsford. Oxford City Stars versus Chieftains the Chieftains knowing two points here would put them level on top of the table as Slower and Britain Cup action and the visitors started on the front foot putting pressure on Miller early and took the lead when Alan Lack forced a turnover in the Stars defensive zone feeding Grant Bartlett, who waited for Miller to make his move and slipped the puck past him for 1-0 on 4.50. From the restart, Chieftains pushed again and again forced a turnover, whereby Holden Barnes-Garner and Ollie Baldock fed Damon Porter near the crease, who finished well for 2-0 on 5.38. Chieftains had a power play opportunity when Harris got two for high sticks on 9.49. In the power play, a hard hit on Alan Lack saw the Chieftains' captain hit the ice hard and after stumble, a stumble head to the locker room before the Stars killed off the rest of the penalty. After returning to full strength, Oxford tried to push their visitors back into their own defensive zone and pulled one back through Josh Abbott, assisted by Hullaby and Bailey Hine Pitcher on 16.58. Right at the end of the period, Richie Pickering was ordered to take a seat for boarding on 1954. The first finished 2-1 and the Chieftains continued their 2-for-1 after Saturday night's game, outshooting Oxford 9-19 in the first. The second saw Dominic Ray kept busy, debutising for Jordan Laude, who may well be a first-time father by now. Chieftains then had a power play chance with Hein Pitcher sat for two for hooking on 24-03, but the Stars killed it off with some good work from Miller. After Bailey's return, the Chieftains think they've scored as the net ripples, but it's behind, not in. However, it did go in on 37 flat when Lee Jamieson assisted Horden Barnes-Garner for 3-1. From the restart, Chelmsford pushed again and extended their lead further when Higgins and Maltsev assisted James Pentecost to make it 4-1 on 38-54. The stats tell you the Chieftains controlled the period out shooting their host 22-4 in the second period. Into the third and the host found themselves with another power play chance after Pickering sat for interference on 46-39. Oxford's special teams hit the ice and seemingly from nothing didn't Hullaby st- snipes into the top corner on 48-15 to make it 4-2. On 53-32, Banner got a two-minute penalty and Chumpsford's special teams took the ice and eventually broke the Oxford D-line down as Bulldog and Reed assisted Pentecost for a neat finish on 55-02, 5-2 power play goal. Back on the power play in, towards the end, final seconds after Darcy Flanagan took two for slashing on 59-30, and beating the buzzer was Sasha Moltsev as the impressive young Ukrainian tipped in Ethan, Ethan Reed's shot from the point for 6-2. An impressive four-point weekend for the Chieftains, taking them joint top of the table as the Jets and the Red Hawks are in the cup. After the game, Stars coach Simon Anderson gave me his thoughts on a hard-fought game. You yeah, were really disappointed with our performance last night. Um, 6-2 really flattered us, to be honest. Um, 
Yeah, I think you know, if had him in for Ross Miller and you know Chamsled it in four pipes, it would have uh, been a lot worse. Um, we didn't come out and play. I um, wasn't really happy with our compete levels. Um, if you don't compete in this league, you're going to get found out pretty quick, and um, it's becoming too much of a habit with with our team right now. We need to uh, really address this, and um, yeah, we will be looking possibly to shake the lineup up a little bit if we can, um, because obviously we're we're losing a little bit too much and um, you know, the roster we put together you know, should be doing better, but it's not. And um, obviously as a coaching staff, it's an ownership. We, we have to look at that moving forward. Um, defensively, you know, our defence were okay last night. I think our main problem is with our forwards. You know, we couldn't get our four-check going. We didn't want to move our feet. We were, we were very sloppy in that department and um, we, just, we just didn't work. And um, if you don't work, you're, you're going to get found out and you know, lose hockey games. Um, you, you, you've got to, you've got to work hard in in hockey. That you know, it's a given. You know, but one thing that can't you can't coach that. That has to come from within the players. And um, we're just disappointed. That's probably, like I say, our worst performance. Hopefully, we don't see it again. You know, but um, as a club right now, you know, we are looking at our roster and we are looking to strengthen if we can. And um, yeah, watch this space. Wow, what a weekend of action. Love a full programme on a Sunday night. Both the league and cups really starting to take shape now. Now, though, it's time for this. Hi, it's Justin Wong, Kenny Wu from the Muddy Ducks, presenting Zero Pucks Given Britain Division Player of the Week. Zero Pucks Given Britain Division Player of the Week, then. Only two teams playing two games this weekend, and unfortunately one of those came up blank. There are honourable mentions for Brindley Caps and Ewan Hill for their goal-scoring prowess against MK Thunder on Sunday. But this week's Player of the Week has been on top form so far this season, particularly with the assists. But this week, with two goals and three assists and helping his teams to a four-point weekend where they massed over 120 shots, it's Chelmsford Chieftain's James Pentecost. Now we can get to our guest for this week then. We are going to be chatting to Oxford City Stars, Aussie tough man, Darcy Flanagan. Zero Pucks Given in partnership with Blades Belong on Your Feet and the Hockey Art Co. Presenting Oxford City Stars Aussie Import Darcy Flanagan. How you doing, fella? Yeah, not bad, not bad. How are you? I'm great, mate. I'm great. I'll lift the curtain slightly. This is our probably our third attempt in total at doing this. Yeah. Uh, the first time Darcy was in a cafe in Oxford on the way to getting uh, the broken tooth sorted. Um, we've had some technological issues tonight, but we're we're here, we're online, we're live, and we're we're good to go. So, mate, tougher weekend this week than last weekend. Obviously, we spoke last week. You come off the back of a 13-1 win. Yeah. Last night. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't really know even to say, to be honest. Um, it was just a, a classic case of just not really not really wanting it enough. Um, it's pretty much all you can put it down to. You can have people write X's and O's on a board in front of you, you know, till the cows come home. But if you don't have 20 guys that, you know, sort of all, all want to win um, on the night, it's going to be quite difficult to do against most teams in this league. So I think that's just a, a simple case of what happened is we just didn't want it enough. And um, 
yeah, the, the score showed. And I think if it wasn't probably for Ross, um, yeah, could have been could have been a lot worse. Could have been double double digits easily. So yeah, you just I, have to forget about that one, I guess. I, I mean, I know from from people I've spoken to that, that there's been conversations in within the room at Oxford because a lot of people, myself included, were so excited for this season with the roster you put together, and it's only really clicked a couple of times. And I, I know Simon obviously gets massively frustrated with it, and but when it has clicked, it's clicked beautifully. Yeah, I think it's just you know it's one of those things that uh, I guess similar to you know with with a business or any sort of aspect of life there's so many moving parts um and you know when you've got sort of 20 individuals to to manage um it's not the easiest thing in the world and i think it's just yeah it's just a bit of a case so we've got to try and figure out a way that you know we've got 20 guys that are all sort of going every night at the moment um and it's not always the same guys either you know everyone's sort of had had good and bad games throughout the year, but we've just never managed to sort of all have a good night together apart from, you know, sort of two occasions. So that's yeah. the the tricky part now. But yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens, you know, going forward. Still quite a long way to go in the year, thankfully. But um yeah, it's sort of the sand in the hourglass is, you know, it's trickling through and, and yeah. it's starting to to get to that stage where, you know, Christmas is upon us and then uh, you don't don't want to go into the break with only sort of two wins uh, on the board. Now, well, I mean, when you arrived at, at Oxford, obviously a lot of a lot of fans get excited about the arrival of imports, um, especially yep. coming, coming from a high-quality league like the Australian League. But you have already missed six games through a suspension that was yep. originally given as 10. I think if anyone knows your name around the league, this is why they know it. You were given a ten-game suspension. I mean, I'll, I'll try and technology and bear with me, and I will try and um, see if we can have a look at this here. This is the incident that we'll, we'll we'll watch now. We've got no volume on it, so you can see that Joe Llewellyn comes across. It goes for offside. He shoots at check, and you, to my mind, with one hand on the stick, not two for a cross check, one hand on the stick, you push him to let him know you've shot the puck at my goalie. So now we're going to have a fight. You have a fight. You both go to the box. And somehow you end up with 10 games out of it. Yeah. I mean... I mean, Am I pretty right there in my description of what, what we've just watched? Yeah. I think probably... I definitely, like, I definitely gave him, you know, uh, a pretty hard sort of cross-check. Um, and my, to be honest, my stick actually broke um, on him. But... It's a big guy. I think he probably weighs about 120 kilos or something. Like that. I don't know if you guys use kilos or, or stone or pounds when it comes to individuals' weight. When we're weighing, in, in Joe, when we're weighing, when we're weighing Joe Llewellyn, we use double-decker buses. <laughs> but, you know, obviously, like, he's, he's a bit of a unit and um, he's not gone slow, but he's not gone fast either. And I think sort of when you've, you've got an ice hockey stick and they're not exactly made to last these days, Gonna break, so the the stick broke, and then oh, my gloves were off, and I said let's go, and then he said let's go, and we sort of tried to beat the crap out of each other for about four seconds, and yeah. uh, you know I don't think I landed any. I think he might have got me in the in the back a couple of times or on the shoulder or whatever, and then that was sort of that was it. We 
shook hands in the box and I think they gave him my gloves and he gave them to me and then someone had kicked one of his gloves out of the rink or something. They couldn't find his glove and whatever else. But there was sort of no malice or like ill intent or anything like that. It was just, you know, just a regular everyday ice hockey occurrence for me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, when, when we found out that it was 10 games, I was quite, quite shocked. Um, and then sort of all the all the dealings and everything that, that followed. Yeah, just there's not really any way to describe, I guess, how it was handled. It was just, it was all a bit sort of all over the place, um, which, yeah, if you guys listen to, I think it's tomorrow, Shane gets on and and talks with, um, with Nick Watt about, you know, everything. And he's obviously got a bit more of an idea of all the exact details and I've been proved to see the emails and, and everything and the back and forth um, of the situation but yeah, for me it's just a bit bit silly really and there's been about I don't know over 100 games in total of suspensions handed out across just our division this mm. season in there's been maybe 35 games played all up between all the teams maybe 40 something like that yeah, it's crazy. And there, I mean, there was one this week, just literally in the, the start of this episode, where I ran over the news, uh, where Chelmsford player was banned for four games for fighting an unwilling opponent. But if you watch the video, it it's like it's so much worse than yours. And and it was yeah. given four games. And it's like that, I think, with a lot of sports, it's the inconsistency that that pisses everybody off, because it's got yeah. to be it's got to be the same across the board. We don't know what they're getting wrong. As you said, um, Shane is going to be on 4,000 Accounting with Nikki uh, out on Wednesday this week discussing this. Um, how did you get made aware that you were given a band? Was it a phone call from Shane after he received email? Um, so going into Wednesday's training, I, I had a feeling that I'll, I'll, they'll probably give me a game or two just just because it just sort of felt like that's what was going to happen. Um and I'm not sure actually when the club was notified. They might have been told on the Wednesday, but we practiced on Wednesday. And then on the the Thursday or the Friday, I remember I messaged Simon. I was like, hey, Simon, what's what's going on? Like, How many how many games have I got? Or am I, am I in this weekend? Or, or what's going on? And then he called me. Uh, and so when he called me, I just heard the to- in the tone of his voice. And I was going, oh, here we go. So, and from that, I was expecting him to say, you know, like five, five games. And that for me was the absolute worst case scenario. Like they've got it quite wrong, but, you know, they've given me five or something like that. And then he goes, yeah, they've given you 10. And I was actually, I was on the bus on the way to work and I just was sitting there and I just was, yeah, I didn't, didn't know what to do at all. But then after that, there's, I don't know how many emails and, and phone calls, Shane, and Simon and obviously the, the team manager, um, Joe, uh, have had with, you know, trying to get it all sorted between themselves and then obviously corresponding with the league and the DOPS and everything. It's just been a a massive process. Yeah, not ideal. Um, and obviously since then, uh, as I said, Shane, Shane's been on once with Nicky Watt. They were going through some of the, what they found to be abnormalities in the, the way that it was dealt with, um, 
Ice Hockey Podcasts aren't in competition. I deplore everybody to please go and watch this 4,000 Can interview with Shane Moore because it's going to be mind-blowing, the, the way they're going to open up the, the DOPS way of working. Um, but then you were reduced to six eventually, which you'd already served. So you came back in last weekend, uh, and then you actually got on the score sheet as well, didn't you? Yeah, um, managed to somehow sneak one through everyone. I don't know if anyone saw the puck or not, but just an ice burner, I call it. Go. Hopefully, you know, there's no video of that out there anywhere, and not too many people well, know that about... it wasn't a great goal, but... No, I was just about to say, I was hoping that Slough Jets would have That's got right. their, their YouTube video out by now of, of the game highlights, but they haven't as yet. So otherwise I would have put it in this in this video. But uh, it's always nice to get on the score sheet regardless. So yeah. uh, your first season playing in the UK, you, you, I think you've played in Sweden as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I played uh, a few seasons in the UK, sorry, UK in Sweden, and then uh, a couple of short stints in the US as well uh, in juniors. Oh, and that was in juniors. So, so when did you yeah. start in Australia? Then, how old were you when you started in Australia? Because you you, sort, you say Australia, um, you don't think ice hockey for for a young kid, do you? <laughs> no, well that's it. Well, I think probably, and there's probably a lot of people out here that will tell me I'm wrong here, but I think sort of in the '90s and the early 2000s, I think we were like one of the the better countries when it came to roller hockey. Mm. Um, and we had quite a few good sort of roller hockey players and the sport was quite big. So I started, like a lot of people in Australia, started roller hockey when I was five. And then um, I think when I was eight, must have been eight or nine, I went went over to to ice hockey and played both for a little bit and then ended up just, just playing the ice hockey. Right. So, and where was it? Where did you go in America to play juniors? Um, the first year I was there, I went here, there, and everywhere. I was a bit of a suitcase, actually. Um, I started, I was in, uh, in Butte, Montana, and then they sent me off to Vail, Colorado, to get, get a few more games under my belt and, and just sort of get a bit more ice time that they didn't think I was going to get. I got there, we played, I don't know how many games, and then the team folded. The owner just disappeared, essentially. <laughs> and um, then we all had to try and find new teams. And luckily enough, where I was playing in Butte, they said, oh, you can come back here. So no, no worries. Um, so I went back there for a little bit. And then I think just after Christmas, they uh, traded me to Phoenix. And then I was there. First weekend, I broke my hand. I played there for a little bit. And then my first weekend back, I just... So I didn't really enjoy it. Um, it was a bit of a like a, a weird sort of a team, and then um, ended up just asking for a trade to there's a team like 30 minutes away, uh, still in Arizona, just to sort of train and have somewhere to go because we had two weeks or something like that before the the World Under 18 Championships. Right. So I just played. I think I played three games for them or something like that. So it was a bit bit of here, there, and everywhere. And then the last time I went back. Um, for my last year of juniors, was that four years after my first trip there? I was in um, Oklahoma City. So was that rehabilitating uh, the whole time, just staying with with families? Yeah, essentially. When I was in Vail, we had like a team house. Um, the coach was living there, and then at one point we did move into a flat. Um, I think there was 
five of us moved into the flat at the, this was at the point the owner had disappeared and we thought we were getting new ownership. And so they put us in this flat and um, we actually woke up one day and there was a note on the door saying, if you don't vacate the premises in 24 hours, we'll call the police. So they'd <laughs> organized, apparently they'd gotten us the keys and everything from this guy and said like, yeah, you can, can have this for the year. And the team was supposed to pay. And then I don't know if there was a falling out or there was a miscommunication or what it was, but then the guy, because we called him, well, what's going on? He's like, oh, no, I gave them the keys to let you guys have a look at the place. I was supposed to get the keys back. And we'd moved in and we'd been living there, you know, for, for a few days or a week or something like that. We'd had a couple of parties there. and <laughs> um, Yeah, it's a bit, bit of a nightmare. But other than that, all um, all billet families the first year uh, and still talk to uh, – to all of them. And then when I was in Oklahoma, I li- uh, lived in an apartment with an assistant coach. Um, he was the captain of one of the teams I played on the first the first time I went over there and we're still pretty good good mates. So um, we just lived together in, a, in an apartment there. That's, uh, I bet that's certainly some life experience, that, isn't it? Especially like, living in different places across the world. Yeah, I think, I think sort of now I'm a little bit more used to it, but every time you go anywhere new you just sort of the first couple of weeks you just sort of what there's so many things every day that you just go that, that can't be right that can't be right they do it like that here and um and it's it's quite good fun now living with you know with dylan and and this is his first time sort of playing in another country um and he's not been in the uk too much even though i think you know his mom's his mom's from here every now and then i'll just hear him sort of just like blow up what and it's you know just something that sort of everyone else here is just like it's normal but you know for him or even for me is just like completely out of the ordinary so it's 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 definitely uh an interesting experience yeah moving around i know uh, i mean we, we did we, we this is where we're probably going to have deja vu from from the time we previously tried to do this chat yeah you, yeah. you, you and dylan living together when are we going to see the the YouTube channel at home with Dylan and Darcy? Um, could be sooner than you think. We actually um, we were actually talking about this uh, late last night. So yeah, it could could happen, but um, we'll have to we we'll have to find some some good editing uh, software, and uh, you know we've got the free time at the moment, I guess, to uh, to do it. So it's just yeah, finding the motivation and maybe the the confidence. Yeah. to get it done so i might have to be the cameraman with the smile i've got going on at the moment <laughs> <laughs> is dylan in or is he at work uh he's upstairs i think he might be having a having a nap at the moment actually oh, <laughs> so. but no because i think did, was it when you were in sweden that you used to do a few videos yeah so while i was there um i think was would have been the end sort of the end of 2020 um and the season was getting, obviously the season got cut, called off um, for COVID. And then when it started all up again, the following season, that was when the, like all the cases started to, to kick off again and they were shutting things down. And then, so all of a sudden I had just so much free time on my hands and nothing to do. And a few of the boys said, oh, you should do a YouTube channel. And I, I made a bunch of different videos and stuff like that and started editing stuff. And I was like, I want to try and like make a fair bit of, you know, content before i launch a channel so i can have some stuff going out all the time um before i start and then i just ended up 
thinking that oh, I better not, <laughs> you know, might make a might make a dick of myself. But um, that would would be good fun, I think, uh, to to do something like that. It's certainly a very strange world, all, all of this new modern digital. The uh, I mean, there's there's kids over here that run their own channels. They're like ten and they're millionaires. It's mental. Oh, I know. I, if only I was that yeah. that switched on when I was ten, mate. <laughs> Instead of sticking chewing gum to the bottom of tables everywhere. <laughs> so, how did Oxford come about, mate? Because uh, obviously, I mean, you, you may know I spoke to Dylan's dad in the summer and and to sort of discuss yeah. how how they were sort of tracking Dylan and, and got hold of him. So, how did they? How did Oxford track you down and get you over it? Um, it was so I took a year. Yeah, basically like 12 months off hockey or even a little bit more. Uh, um, and then I ended up going back to play in Australia this, you know, your guys' summer. And I think it was like the week I arrived or a couple of weeks after I got there, I just got this message from Simon Anderson. And I'm thinking, who's this bloke? And I saw that he'd, he'd sort of sent me a friend request on Facebook earlier. And we had, you know, the, the sort of the usual mutual friends and um and i just thought oh, it's a bit odd and then he sent me a message and it was just like oh you know um, blah 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 um from the you know oxford the regular message that you get sort of thing and just wondering if you'd want to come out and we had a few phone calls and and all the rest of it and um you know obviously xander was playing here last year yeah. uh he's also an, an aussie guy and um yeah, in the beginning it was, you know, it was probably 50-50, you know, will I, won't I. Um, I had a few, you know, offers um, still in, in Sweden and I was sort of looking at that. I've got, um, you know, Swedish girlfriend. So that was always, you know, like a big a big uh, barrier, I guess, for me to, to come to Oxford. And uh, in the end just sort of decided that, been to Sweden, sort of done that already a, a few times, and um, can always sort of go back there. Um, got permanent residency, um, so why not? You know, try the UK. Uh, I'm not getting any younger, uh, so yeah, pulled the trigger on it uh, in about oh, might have been the end of July, early August, or something like that. And um, yeah, since since that's just been uh, been awesome to, to sort of deal with Simon and, and Shane and everyone involved in the club here they've been really really welcoming for for both me and i'm sure dylan feels the same as well yeah and and the fans as well they tend to take to imports almost quicker than they do to local players because it's they want to show that support because they're aware that you've moved to a different country you've you know really made a little dent in your life to come and be part of their club so they do show yeah. that love don't they yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, anything from we we go down and coach the kids on uh, on a Wednesday night um, before our trainings, and sort of all the parents have been quite quite nice and friendly to us. Uh, and then also, you know, we've got to give them a, a shout out. Um, Monty and uh, and Sean Stanley have taken us out for 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 food a few times. We went actually and watched um, the Coventry uh, Guildford game on Saturday. Uh, yeah. So they, you know, obviously drove us all the way out there, and um, and yeah, just trying to look after us and 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 make sure that you know, as much as we're here to play hockey, we're you know here to sort of experience the the city and and the UK as a whole. So they've been they've been really great. 
How did you find the um, the Coventry Guildford game? Because obviously, as a player, you've um, you've sort of again. I think this is the last time we spoke. You kind of said you were surprised at how good the level was that that you're yeah. playing at with Oxford. What did you think of the elite league level? Um, I thought it was quite good. Um, I think sort of the way hockey's sort of becoming nowadays. Everyone is at that level. Everyone's so good, and you almost sort of know exactly what's going to happen all the time. Like if you if you've watched a bit of hockey, or you've played a bit, you sort of know what's going to happen consistently and not too much really out of the ordinary happens these days because teams are so disciplined and good defensively um, and then also the same offensively they sort of just do the simple easy things you know time in time out and then sort of just wait to capitalize on on sort of one opportunity it was a ended up 2-1 uh, overtime win for summed up I guess the the game as a whole you know both teams had a lot of puck possession and everything like that and it was quite quite fast but I think because you know what's going to happen pretty much all the time but yeah I was, I, was, I was surprised by the level I've seen you know um yeah no it's a it's, it's a quite high class and I think what they have 14 or 15 imports per per team that are all coming from you know division one schools or the east coast league or the AHL and stuff like that so you know that's what you would expect I guess yeah um, oh, facilities-wise, in in this country, we we joked at the start of the season because a couple of the rinks had a problem with the heat when it was still quite yeah. warm coming into September, and you were like, "I can't believe this happens here." And you know, it happens back yeah. at home, but I can't believe it happens here. But I think you've actually played in every rink in the league now. Uh, have you got a favourite or a least favourite, or both? Um, I think our rink is, you know, it's no sort of beauty contest win or anything like that, but. There's obviously no glass, um, which I think a lot of people don't like, mm. and probably it's not it's not wonderful. Like when you're getting hit quite a lot and stuff like that, um, you'd you'd like the glass to be there, but it not being there just sort of creates a whole different, uh, I guess, aspect in terms of atmosphere. You know, with the way I guess the the stands are built, they go quite upright. And it feels like sort of everyone's sitting on top of you mm. and there's no glass in the way. So the sound just really carries and it's quite, quite a good atmosphere in there. So probably I would say our rink, um, but I was also really, really impressed with, with Chelmsford. Um, the first game we had away, uh, seemed to be, there was probably two or 300 people out there, um, queuing up sort of when we were just out kicking the, the, the soccer ball. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think four o'clock and it was like a six o'clock game or, or whatever it was, you know. Um, so that was that was quite quite nice. But I think all the rinks are quite cold. Um, you know, would love to see some heating in the change rooms and, and whatever else because they're all they're all a bit cold. But other than that, you know, it's it's nice. Think, they're all a bit quirky in their own way. Yeah, I don't think you're going to find too much heating in away dressing rooms. No, no, <laughs> and rightfully so, you know. <laughs> uh, I've got a question from a, a, a fellow ice hockey media alumni anthony russell from banners on the wall who uh, i think you just missed he did a little a, f- a few bits from the sort of meet the players barbecue at the start of the season i don't think he'd quite arrived in time for that um but this man's hockey knowledge across the world is absolutely unmatched and he has asked who is the best melbourne ice hockey player his money is on uh back leg or armstrong yeah um two really good players and i think they're probably up there in like all-time points 
for for the ice. Um, but for me, it's got to be Joey Hughes. Um, played, you know, overseas growing up as a kid. But yeah, I don't know. Since he sort of came back and has played in AHL, um, I think every year, you know, if you ask any team, sort of who's probably the hardest guy to play against, you know, his name would definitely come up in in the conversation, and you know, puts up points, can sort of scrap. Um, with you know anyone and just like a really really good human being and, and teammate um, and yeah so for me it's him by a long shot excellent stuff the the guys at North League FC I think they've they've got some sort of connection with Carl Catling who's also a, a sponsor at Oxford and doing with the social media they want you to ask about Square Snacks what's that all about Square Snacks yeah. I don't even know what square snacks are. Unless it's Tim Tams. They're talking about Tim Tams. Ah, uh, yeah, do, could be. Do, could do be. you import them? Um, I don't, but uh, it's funny that you mentioned Carl, actually. He uh, he showed me a website um, a couple of days ago called Sanzo or something like that. And it's like South African, New Zealand, and Australian, like, yeah, like lollies and drinks and beer and whatever else. So, um, you know, next next payday, twenty fifth. You know, I might might have to put an order in yeah. for a few uh, Tim Tams, maybe some some Arnett shapes. For anyone listening, knows what they are. Quite good as well, and probably a case of EB. Just get some Southern Hemisphere stuff in the. Oh, my dog's joining us here. Get some Southern Hemisphere stuff in in the kitchen. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, so how, how do you and Dill work that then at home? Obviously, Dylan's from Iowa. You're from Australia. You know, who cooks? Um, to be fair, there's not been a whole heap of cooking. Um, we work at the hotel in a restaurant. So we get, um, you know, food there uh, that we're entitled to. And then there's probably a lot of food that we get there that we're not entitled <laughs> to as well. Um, so there's not a whole heap of cooking going on. Uh, and then also, you know, like we're at the rink uh, quite often, early and late and things like that. So we eat out a fair bit. Um, but, yeah, I think, I don't know, I think Australia and America is quite similar where we don't really have any sort of actual cuisine. We just steal everything from everyone else. So it's not been too much of an issue. <laughs> and it's, it's not been, not been gone a bit cold, so there's no, no time for a barbie. No, exactly. Uh, tell you what, though, we have got a really, really nice. We have to share it with um, with our neighbour, but a really, really nice sort of backyard area, a fire pit, and everything like that. And I would have loved to, you know, tested it out, but we sort of got here a bit late for that. <laughs> so, as the the season progresses with Oxford, then uh, what's what's the ambitions of you personally in the club? Um, for me personally, I just. I'd just really like to have, you know, a good season. And obviously, you know, you, you want to put up a few points, but just, yeah, we'd just like to sort of contribute as, as much as I can, whether it's in the room, uh, on the ice, sort of within the club, with with the junior program and, and all the rest of it. Um, and just, yeah, at the end of the season, it'd be be really nice for them to say, it was worth us, you know, sort of bringing him and not 
think actually Chelmsford uh, coach on the weekend said to uh, a couple of our fans that they hope they got a receipt for uh, for me so that they could get a return. I didn't have the, the greatest night um, <laughs> yesterday, but uh, yeah, just just for everyone to sort of be pleased with with my efforts would would be nice outcome. Uh, and then as far as you know the team goes, I would just love to see us you know be a bit more competitive. Um, obviously where where the clubs are at the moment i think they're they're pushing quite hard to be one of the the, the better teams in the league and i think a lot of the off-ice product is, is starting to reflect that you know with the social media um game day if you look at you know sort of ticket sales merchandise all that stuff i think is is definitely trending where where they want to be and now it's just sort of up to us um to to get the on-ice product you know, looking the way it should. And I'm really, really hoping that it's not too far off. But mm. yeah, at the moment, it's just, it's not quite there. Well, obviously, I mean, the league is, it's quite special in the fact that being only eight teams, everyone qualifies for the playoffs. So it's, and it's then, it's it's a lottery. But you, yeah. you want to finish as high as you can because if you finish seventh or eighth or even sixth, you can pretty much guarantee you're going to be playing either a, a Chelmsford, a Streatham, or a Slough, or it, you know, it makes yeah. it a really hard quarterfinal. But we have had some really strange results in the quarterfinals in the last few years, and I think getting a club like Oxford, as you say, because everything is going in the right way off ice, making the playoff finals this year would be absolutely fantastic for Oxford, and I think that would be the the shot in the arm to push it to the next level. Yeah. When I think, you know, there's sort of no, there's no illusion, I don't think, to to what sort of the club has as, as its ambitions. You know, there's no one out there going, oh, we're going to win the league this year. We're trying to win the league this year. Obviously, you know, that's not the goal. The goal is to be significantly better than, than, than last year and, you know, climb a few, uh, a, a few spaces on the ladder going into, obviously, the end of the year in the playoffs. And then, you know, if we can, can sneak away with, uh, a couple of wins sort of in, in, in the end of the year that would be fantastic for them. Um, but I think, yeah, like like I said, everything off ice is sort of reflecting the the effort that everyone involved in the club is putting out at the moment. It's just the, the, the on-ice product that's not, not quite there yet. Yeah, but I'm sure it will get there. Darcy, thank you so much for joining me, mate. I know we've, we've had a little bit of mucking around trying to get this done, but we've finally, no, got, it. We've finally got it done. I really do appreciate your time. Hope you're really enjoying playing in the UK and uh, we hope we see it for a long, long time to come. Yeah, no, it's been good as long as I keep getting allowed to play. I'll keep yeah. enjoying it. You might have to move the Swedish girlfriend over to the UK. <laughs> That's it. We'll see what happens. But yeah, thanks for having me. Well, lovely. Cam Wasserbash. Thank you very much. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Huge thanks to Darcy for joining me. We've had a couple of attempts of getting that done. But we've certainly got it done now and we've covered, I think, everything that we needed to cover with Darcy, top lad. It's great to see the the players coming from all over the world to come and play here in the UK and especially at our level and enjoying it. Fixtures for next weekend then. Saturday the 18th of November sees the MK Thunder head to the Devil's Cauldron to play Solent in a 5pm face-off. The Invicta Dynamos look to get back on the horse as they head round the M25 to the hangar to face the Slough Jets. And I will be at the high road in Streatham as the Redhawks welcome the Chelmsford Chieftains in a 5.30 face-off and hopefully bring some behind-the-scenes type content from there as well. 
The Sunday night sees a couple of guaranteed barn burners as the Red Hawks head to Gillingham to face the Moes in a 5.45 face-off. The Devils head up to the Oxpens to take on the Stars at 6.15. And the Romford Buccaneers, fresh from their 12-2 victory over the, fun, over the Thunder, head to Milton Keynes to take them on again at 6.45 on Sunday night. If you're travelling with your teams this weekend, don't forget to bring your voices. Don't forget those ULES charges and DART charges, depending on where you're travelling. We don't want any extra costs on the top of how much it costs to follow your team all over the country. Um, massive thank you to listening. I've had a fantastic time with Darcy Flanagan recording that. Uh, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed the episode. I think he's a top lad as well. So I really do hope you've enjoyed it. Make sure you catch up on all the socials. There's going to be some exclusive stuff coming up on YouTube from next weekend. It will not be anywhere else. It will just be on YouTube. So hit that subscribe button on there and you will not miss out on any of that. There is more episodes to come this week as well. As I said earlier, we will be catching up with Chantel Eyre, former Solent Amazons and now Streatham Storm forward in the WNIHL Elite League. And then we have our men's mental health special. You will not want to miss this episode. It's it, Hockey will be the umbrella for it. Obviously, we're a hockey podcast. Scott Finley from the Three on Three, they're a hockey podcast. And Ed Archer is actually a longtime friend of mine. Um, and he's been involved with the It's OK campaign and now the Men Talk Health podcast. It's all going to be under the banner of the It's Not Weak to Speak, just talking about how men need to reach out, reach out to your friends, to your to your family, to a, to a mental health professional. We're going to cover it all. Probably going to be a little bit triggering, so there will be a bit of a trigger warning before that. We'll probably be discussing personal experiences as well. So, yeah, surely not to be missed. Thank you once again for listening to this episode. Really hope that you've enjoyed it. Really hope that you're enjoying them being on YouTube as well, because that does take quite a little bit of time to put that together. But like I said, it's all worth it when I see the the finished outcome and the comments that I get when I travel around to the other rinks is just fantastic. So really looking forward to hitting the high road on Saturday night and seeing another cracking weekend of Britain Division Hockey. I will see you next time. Podcast Network.